the Faithful and True podcast. We come to you today. We're back in the Faithful and True studios uh, after a couple of uh, experimental video podcasts by way of Zoom. We hope that you've had the chance to, uh, that you'll have the chance to view those when uh, they are posted. Today we have our special guest, Director of Faithful and True, Deb Laser. Debbie, great to have you with us Thank again you. today. And as always, our host, Dr. Greg Miller. Uh, Greg, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's good to be back. So tell our audience what you two are going to talk about today. Well, as some of you may know, we've um, you know requested topics and we've asked people if they have a suggestion that they send us that. And one of the, the suggestions we got was to address the issue of how do you navigate recovery when you are going through a life change, when some transition comes up, some other circumstance comes up that maybe will take some attention. And at the same time, you're trying to do that in the context of recovery. So what are some helpful principles or understandings of what that looks like? You know, and I know that for you, one of the things that happened for you and Mark, uh, for you and Mark, were that you did a move while you were doing recovery. And I think that that's kind of the stuff that we're talking about when a new job mm-hmm. comes up, when a family moves, when a life circumstance happens, how do they navigate recovery? Mm-hmm. Well, you're right, Greg, in that um, we, we chose to move about 18 months after um, Mark's sexual addiction was discovered. So we stayed where we were for a bit, but the truth is it was very public, really destroyed his career. It was as if we needed a, a new start in, in order to decide what was going to be next. Um, all that being said, I think one of the things we learned early on in our counseling process with our therapist who studied with Virginia Satir, you've probably heard us talk about her quite a bit here because she's a, a very well-known family systems therapist, but she had a model called the change model, which helped all of us to uh, normalize, I think is the word I would use, when we're going through transition or changes in our life, because a a transition always requires changing Mm -hmm. something. And when we change something, we're going from what she would have called an old status quo to eventually a new place in life or a new status quo. And in there are lots of stages, and one of those is one we would call chaos. Mm -hmm. And I think most people can relate to that when a big change comes up, even if it's something you decided to do, like we decided to move to Minneapolis. It still created a lot of chaos with... Um, you know, selling our house, buying a new house, deciding where the kids would go to school, getting everything here, closing on two houses, all of those things. And it was very chaotic, and it created a lot of anxiety. And one of the things I loved about Virginia's model as we learned that was that this was normal. And I think a lot of us fight the normal stages of transition. And when we can learn to accept that they are what they are and they are a part of all transition and change, then it helps us to relax a little more. And I think I even like to use the words, of course. Right. Like, of course, I would feel a little crazy right now or I would feel a little anxious right now because we're going through a big change. And just that, I think, helps us to calm down a little more, not feel so anxious, and trust the process, as we say so often. Well, you know, I, I think that point that you made that, I think there's an assumption on our part that if I'm choosing the change, it should lessen or even eliminate the chaos. And so for Virginia just to normalize, it doesn't matter where the change is coming from. You can choose it or it was imposed on you. There's going to be chaos. 
And so what becomes the challenge is how can I create safety in the midst of the chaos when many of us believe I can only be safe when there's not chaos? Mm -hmm. And ironically, in that first, and I think she typically identified around that first year or, or that early season where there's going to be chaos, that if I try to control it, it actually is going to create more chaos. It's just allowing it to be and not be defined by it. Mm -hmm. and, and what we know about control is it's also a natural and normal thing we all do when we're anxious. Mm -hmm. So when you find yourself wanting to control a lot of things, it, it can be helpful just to sit down and say, you know, what, a, what am I really fearful and anxious about right now? Mm -hmm. Because what might be the case is um, you need something, and when you can identify what that is, then it helps you to relax, and your need to control also tends to reduce. I think of, for instance, a decision to buy a new computer. <laughs> you know, we all are into computers, and generally they don't last that long these days. And the truth is, while I love having new technology and up-to-date so that, you know, things stop crashing and all the things that happen when your stuff is outdated, I always hate the idea of getting new phones and new computers because I know the transition it's going to create in my life, and I know it's going to be frustrating, and I know I won't always know what I need to know, and I just have to plan for some downtime. Um, and, prob and for myself, one of the things that creates anxiety is not thinking I have enough help when I do. You know, I don't want to have to Google every single problem I have. I want a person there helping me. So I've learned, you know, what are some of the things I need to make this transition with new technology better for myself? Maybe totally different than what you need, right. but it's what I need. And when I have that, then I can relax more. And I can get through that transition, and it may still be somewhat chaotic, and it won't be as hard on me emotionally and physically if I take care of my needs. You know what I think of when I think of transition and change and coming out of chaos was what we all as a group experienced with when COVID arrived, mm -hmm. because we had to abandon how we do business at Faithful and True. And I'm so proud of the team and your leadership, Debbie, in how... Uh, counselors were able to continue uh, seamlessly in seeing their clients uh, mm -hmm. because of technology like Zoom. Uh, meanwhile, we had to transition our Men of Valor workshops from being here in person to being uh, virtual sure. workshops that we did by way of Zoom. And you did a masterful job of continuing that mm -hmm. work effectively. Uh, I meant to mention early the way I, <laughs> I'm very... <laughs> Why, uh, trying to weave in uh, slyly the fact that we're excited to announce that we're transitioning back to being able to welcome uh, workshop participants here in person to mm -hmm. Faithful and True, starting with the Men of Valor workshop in July. Mm -hmm. So again, we're going to experience another transition. Uh, we're not anxious about it. We're we're more well, excited okay, wait. about it. We do have some anxiety about it. Yes, we, we do. do. <laughs> well, I, I have some do. anxiety about who's it. The, yes, who's, <laughs> who's the, the we? we? I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. Speak for yourself, about. Randy. You know, for myself, it's not nearly as nerve-wracking, but it's definitely going to be different because we've had 14 months of of no participation here. Right. And, mm -hmm. and uh, so that's going to be exciting. Uh, we know that God has great things in store for us, but at the same time, as Deb was talking about what what's involved with change and, mm -hmm. and all that type of thing, that's the example that came to mind for me. Right. Well, you know, what probably, and this is what I hope, is that um, for the men who have participated in the workshop virtually, 
that their experience was not disrupted in any way. What I can know behind the scenes is there was chaos. And that was helpful for me. You know, I I thought of Virginia Satir's model. That was very helpful for me to acknowledge I'm not failing. um, There's nothing wrong. This is still a good decision. And I'm going to be in chaos. And one of the things that can happen is we can begin to question the validity of the decision once we start to experience the chaos. I'm back to buying the computer. You know, you're right. Everybody does it differently. And the person who loves computers, in fact, they anticipate, they want their old computer to crash so they can get a new one. Their process is going to be very different than like mine. You know, I needed a new laptop. I needed it for a long time. I kept putting it off because I didn't want to do it. I eventually had my son, who likes computers, determine which one to get. And then it sat in my closet from December until March when I brought it here and had someone else set it up and make the transition. And so all of that's going to create chaos for me differently. But what's true is whether I love computers or I'm kind of um, intimidated by them, I still have to go through the chaos of that transition. And so the more we know, the safer we may be, but we still have to engage the process Mm -hmm. itself. So, Randy, when you were talking about um, transitioning from the pandemic, first of all, into it and then eventually out of it, I think a good point to recall, remember is that when we're transitioning with others, like we would be with a family or a spouse, we often don't have very different things that create chaos for mm-hmm. us. And one of the things that can help us in our transition is to be able to talk about that. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's... Um, commonplace to try to talk someone else out about why their chaos is not relevant, but ours is, Mm -hmm. you know, and so becoming good listeners and being able to talk about what creates chaos for me becomes a very helpful tool in in communicating that. And it is all wrapped up in what I believe. That's what creates our chaos. You know, my belief about a computer chaos when I'm transitioning to something new is I'm going to have to lose several days of work time because it's going to be a a process that I don't just easily move into. Uh, That's a belief I have. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I carry that belief. Someone who's really good at this, like our our tech guy, Mm -hmm. it's not going to create that kind of belief in him. So, you know, he doesn't carry the same kind of chaos. Our belief systems are, in fact, what create the craziness, the anxiety, the anger, whatever it is, as we're moving through these stages. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, you know, we're talking about this in the context of recovery. And for a lot of couples, they may be in a place where they're not talking much about the relationship. There may be uncertainty around the relationship. But in the midst of that, you're experiencing transition. And I think I would say that what may be helpful is to have conversations about the change mm-hmm. that if, you know, using the example of the pandemic, if you and your spouse were in a difficult place, the pandemic begins and it's like you are trying not to talk about anything that would probably create more chaos. But to begin talking about the relationship again, that may create chaos, but it's okay to create the boundary to say, we're still not going to talk a lot about the relationship in the future. And we need to talk about how are we going to navigate the kids' school if they're not meeting or how are we going to adjust our home so that people can start working from home and giving yourself permission to engage those topics specifically so that there can be a little bit more safety in the transition itself. Mm -hmm. I I had heard of stories in working with couples 
where they tried to move through the pandemic and not talk about it because there was this separation or there was this distance or there's just a resistance to talk. And it actually became more challenging for them in their relationship. Mm -hmm. And what could be true, too, before the pandemic is there was a certain amount of separation that was already created for a couple as someone went off to work all day long or traveled all week long or whatever it was. And now everyone's home, perhaps, all day, every day. And so um, some of those natural things that might have actually been helping us or our couples to navigate um, some stressful times in relationship were actually removed by the limitations of having to be home. Right. I think it's helpful to understand that all change is disruptive. It's just a matter of what degree. Mm -hmm. And if we just expect, even positive change creates that disruption um, and so if we can engage that and know that that's just part of what's going to happen, and, and I love that idea of and getting clear and asking for what I need and communicating what creates safety for me in this change. And you may discover that you and your spouse have the same things that create safety or very different, but then you can be aware of what you need in order to be safer in the experience. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that we've learned that's very helpful in transition is to acknowledge that we'll, we'll need more patience than maybe we normally give something. Um, because transition creates something unfamiliar, um, in order to start progressing towards something that eventually will be familiar, we have to lean into it, so to speak, and practice it some, so that what has been unfamiliar will slowly, slowly become familiar. And um, we forget about that. You know, even when I came back to the office, um, you know, no clients were here or anything. It was just me and my stuff. And I remember the first week, I just, I kept forgetting things at home that I had there to work on. And then when I was here and wanted to work on stuff at home, I had stuff here. And and then I reminded myself, you know, you've got to have some patience, Deb, with this because this is new. You haven't been here for many, many months. And of course, there's the of course again. This is going to feel awkward, and it's going to look, your word, stumbly, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's just how it's going to be for a while. And so to expect something different of myself was not very realistic. And being kind to ourselves, I think, in transition is another really important reminder. Well, and you not only came back to your office, previously office, but you transitioned up to Mark's office. Yeah. And that was such a meaningful move. I, I love the move from, from a legacy standpoint because Mark, so much uh, of Mark's wisdom and experience, is, it, it just seeped into that office. Mm-hmm. And to have you move up there as the newly uh, titled director was really appropriate to have you take over Mark's space. Mm-hmm. So not only were you coming back to Faithful and True, the office, but you were coming back and transitioning from the main floor of your office for years and years yeah. uh, upstairs to Mark's yeah. office. And now I have to walk up the stairs, up and down, <laughs> well, several times a we day. We were trying to tie in an exercise <laughs> regimen for you. <laughs> I know. We, we thought by moving, by moving your office, we, we no longer had to have a treadmill. Yeah. So, uh, well, and that's a great point. Sometimes there are transitions in the transition Mm -hmm. that if if we can just have one that's great but if let's say back to the idea of the move suddenly it's maybe kids going to new schools it's you going to a new job plus you're accommodating a new place to live and so just to be mindful that the more change there is or where you are in your own recovery and journey are going to be factors you know i think of you and mark moving earlier in your recovery and beth and i moving later in our recovery We still had to deal with the chaos of the move, 
but what got triggered for you as you were moving, and maybe it's the anger that we are having to leave, or maybe it's the excitement of this new opportunity, that may be different than what was going on for Beth and mm-hmm. I. And so even personalizing, you know, we kind of start with the global concept of a move creates chaos, but this specific move creates chaos. And because mm-hmm. of who I am, I have this unique chaos that I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. So I think another important thing when we're transitioning like that can be to be intentional about some of the things we can be intentional about. You know, there's a lot of things in change that we can't control, and there are some things we can. When I talk with um, wives, for instance, who know they're going to move because of a job change of their husbands or whatever makes that move happen, um, I talk to them about thinking ahead of time how they're going to get counseling or support if they're still in a program of recovery. Um, How might they look at that before they get there so it's in place the minute they step into that new city. And um, they start looking and making calls and checking online about groups that are available and being prepared as much as they can so that that it's ready and it's there. So being intentional um, can be very helpful about controlling what we can control. Right. And, you know, another type of move that a couple may be experiencing would be children going off to college or moving out of the home. And that's a very good thing. That's a very hopeful thing. That's an expected thing. But for a couple that's in recovery, you build a system of the family. In some ways, the, the family system is stronger than the coupleship. And so for a child to move away can begin to change that dynamic. And I've worked with a lot of men who would be talking about the fact that their last child is going to college. It's been a long time since it's just been the two of them. And now they've gone through this difficult season of the exposure, the betrayal, and now recovery. And so how they might have first thought about a child going away is very different now with the child going away. Yeah. So if we want to keep using all of these experiences in our life, to build emotional intimacy, which is the idea, I think, as we grow closer to people, we would want to try to focus on how to talk about a transition. How am I feeling about that? What words would I use? And what am I thinking about this transition? What beliefs do I have about it? And what needs do I have about it? And when we can share those kinds of things with another person, they're gonna know a whole lot more about us in a transition than just watching our behaviors, might, which might look controlling, we might look very irritable, we might look very, maybe we're shut down and we don't even want to talk about it. But if people are only looking at how we're handling a transition and we're not talking about it, it doesn't give them much information about who we are. So right. they don't get to know us, really. Um, that was one of the things I loved about all the many transitions we went through, really, after we began to work in recovery is we had so much better language to share what was going on in that. And it made it made going through transitions as a couple something that we were able to partner in instead of fight over. And again, the fights happen, I think, because we experience a transition differently. And if we're not careful, we'll fight about that. And if we share about it, then maybe we become allies in that. Yeah. You know, I, I think of you know, couples that may be listening to this. So you may just be in a place in your coupleship where all you have the ability to do right now is talk about the logistics. And if that's all you can talk about and that's where you are, then 
even talking about the logistics of when are, when are the mm-hmm. movers coming or when do we need to uh, pack this or that's great. But the goal, like you've said, is really for us to navigate transitions in a way that it's going to increase our intimacy and our connection mm-hmm. and that we do it as a team and that you know we partner together to move to whatever the next place is knowing that there's the possibility that this change even if it's a change that we don't choose or desire can bring the growth that that we desire you know Mm -hmm. it's that post-traumatic growth concept that some changes are traumatic and difficult but we also believe that on the back end of that there can be growth for us One of my favorite songs, um, at least that I heard from Robin Mark, I, I suppose others sing it, is Everything Cries Holy. And, and I love the concept that everything in our life gives us the opportunity to learn something about ourselves. And if we take transitions and go after them to be a gentle observer of myself, um, we can learn a lot of things. You know, we might notice, gosh, I'm not good at change. You know, I hate change. Mm-hmm. Or I get so anxious, I, it just shuts me down, and I can't even think straight when I go through change. Or I get really irritable, and then people think I'm mad at them when I go through change. I mean, we can learn all kinds of things about ourselves. And as important it is to talk about logistics, for instance, we could just own some of those things. You know, we could say to our spouse, I, you know, you probably notice I'm just really irritable all the time right now because we're getting ready to move. And I just want you to know it's not about not caring about you mm-hmm. um, because it's so easy for others watching our behaviors when we're going through transition and making meanings out of them that aren't true. Right. So at the very least, we could practice owning and talking about what's happening to ourselves. Yeah. And what may be true is... I am irritated at you because of your choices we're having to move. Mm -hmm. And even being honest about that can be a healing place. Mm -hmm. I'm irritated that we're moving. I'm irritated at you. um, And I'm going to do my best to try to be safe as we're going through this transition. Mm -hmm. And have you lived through the whole process? Yeah. 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 And we do. If we engage the process, then we can get to the back end. One, one other thing I want to say before we conclude, there are probably some of you that are listening that would say you love change, that you seek it out, that you desire it. And there may be some of you that constantly create change in order to be distracted from some of these deeper issues. And so, you know, if you're someone that constantly needs to be doing something new or different, it may be helpful for you to reflect on Um, What is the role that change has been in my life? And is change one of the ways that I try to avoid the deeper, more painful things that are going on in my life? Mm -hmm. And so just to be reflecting that what transition may mean for you could be different for someone else. Mm -hmm. I also think that I heard Mark talk a lot about change creating that adrenaline Mm -hmm. that a lot of people's Mm -hmm. neurochemistry is starved for. And some of us do have a higher addiction almost to adrenaline and so change or risky behaviors are things that feed our neurochemistry. I I know Mark and I after we got in recovery joked a lot about how he was constantly talking about wanting to move. Mm -hmm. You know I mean we just get boxes unpacked and he'd have some idea of somewhere else we could go and I remember thinking can't, we haven't even been here for a year. <laughs> We're just meeting people. We're getting involved, you know. Can we and unpack the boxes before we move? So, you know, what's funny is I think we moved seven times in the first 10 years of our life, and now we've lived in, or I now live in Minnesota and have for nearly 33 years. So mm-hmm. uh, 
that came after, I think, recovery. And, and for Mark, his brain chemistry settling down, not needing that kind of adrenaline once, once we got right. into recovery. Yeah. 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 Well, that, uh, that is a great way for us to end this first podcast on this very interesting subject. Uh, we look forward to uh, doing part two with Debbie coming mm-hmm. up in which we'll continue the conversation about transition and, uh, and that process. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who are watching on our YouTube channel, we thank you for joining it. That's a, a relatively new endeavor for us. And we invite you to the Faithful and True channel to subscribe and to click the like button where we're seeing a very encouraging growth in our subscriptions. Uh, We also invite you to visit faithfulandtrue.com where you can learn all about our three-day intensive workshops. Uh, As we alluded to earlier today, the big news for us is that our governor of uh, the state of Minnesota has lifted um, most of the restrictions, and we're going to be able to start offering the Men of Valor workshop in person, starting with our July Men of Valor workshop. So check that out on our website. The online registration is available. At the same time, I know we have a number of you who have enjoyed the, the opportunity to not have to travel, to not have to have the extra expense. Uh, and with that in mind, uh, please check out our June Men of Valor workshop and our June Women's Journey uh, workshops, which will be held virtually by uh, with the use of Zoom video technology. All of those registrations are available online at faithfulandtrue.com. Until we join you again next time, we'd like to thank you for joining us, and we hope that this coming week for you will be filled with many blessings and great vision.